2019, parents, public health officials, and politicians were all talking about the surge in teen vaping. They called it a crisis. Today, the CDC estimates that over 3.5 million teens are vaping. And that number is climbing. An expert now testifies that some teens are waking up in the middle of the night to vape. The FDA calls teen vaping an epidemic. Many thought it was the flavors that were enticing so many kids to start vaping. Flavors like apple crumble, cinnamon toast cereal, and cola. So the FDA took action. It banned almost all flavored vape pods and only allowed menthol and tobacco. But today, sweet and fruity flavors are still on the market because that FDA regulation had a big loophole. And a company called Puff Bar exploited that loophole. Now it's the best-selling vape among kids. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, November 18th. Coming up on the show, how Puff Bar sidestepped government regulation and kept its flavored vapes on the market. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. We have a problem in our country. It's a new problem. It's a problem that nobody really thought about too much a few years ago, and it's called vaping. Back in 2019, the alarm over teen vaping reached the highest levels of government, and government regulators started working on a plan to combat it. Here's our colleague Jennifer Maloney. This was under the Trump administration, and initially, President Trump was on board with a more restrictive plan. We're looking at very strong rules and regulations. We already have laws as well. Those strong rules and regulations would have banned all flavors other than tobacco for all types of vaping devices. But after the Trump administration floated the plan, it ran into problems. So he made this announcement, and there was huge pushback from people who were part of his base. And the idea was that it was going to hurt small business owners who run vape shops. And in the end, the final policy was more targeted. That more targeted policy was narrowly focused on what teens were actually using at the time, which federal data showed were flavored, refillable vapes. And the company most well-known for making refillable vapes was Juul. Juul was a status symbol. It was cool and sleek and sort of like the apple of tobacco. <laughs> you all of a sudden saw all these kids, you know, sneaking them into school bathrooms and, you know, parents were finding them at home. And, but it was popular among adults too. It was, it was a sensation. Jewel became a verb to Jewel. The FDA's rule was a blow to Jewel's popularity, but it had a big caveat. The FDA implemented flavor restrictions on reusable 
e-cigarettes. So with Juul, you can buy like a pack of two or four refill pods and then you just click them onto the vaporizer. The flavor restrictions didn't apply to disposable e-cigarettes. A disposable e-cigarette is one complete unit. You buy it, you consume it, and then you throw it out. Did the FDA realize that it had like a giant loophole in this regulation? They did, and they said that they had other tools to address it. So the FDA said, we're going to target our restrictions on the flavors that kids are using and the device type that kids are using. But we have other tools at our disposal to address anything else that becomes problematic. It didn't take long before another vape company did become problematic for the FDA. Because as soon as Juul's flavored refillable vapes went off the market, a new company, which made disposable vapes, quickly started to take its place, Puff Bar. So Puff Bar looks the same shape as a Juul. The difference is that Juuls are metallic and sort of muted tones. There's a silver one and there's a, a slate gray, kind of a dark gray one. Puff Bars are like crayon colors. Hot pink, yellow, purple, green, blue. They're very bright. And Puff Bar offered a whole basket of fruit flavors, even more than Juul had. Blue Raz and watermelon and lychee. Blueberry ice, banana ice, cool mint, watermelon, peach ice, grape. The reason Puff Bar was able to offer all those flavors was because consumers couldn't refill it. They'd use it until it runs out and then throw it away. And at the time of this new FDA rule in early 2020, what was this company Puff Bar like? How big was it? Was it a company that anybody really paid attention to? Puff Bar was not on my radar. Its sales were pretty minuscule until the flavor restrictions came into place. And then its sales skyrocketed. You know, you couldn't get these fruity flavors. A lot of a lot of people had been used to, to vaping fruity flavors, adults and kids, and you couldn't get them anymore. And so naturally, people went looking for an alternative and Puff Bar was there. It was very clear, even in the like earliest days of this new flavor ban, that Puff Bar was filling the void. But as Puff Bar's popularity rose, it also had an important vulnerability. It was one of a number of e-cigarette companies that had launched without the FDA's approval. As it happens, a lot of the disposable e-cigarettes on the market actually were illegal in the first place because... They had come on the market recently without authorization from the FDA. And so the FDA started issuing warning letters saying, you don't have any business being on the market. You don't have FDA authorization. Like, you have to halt your sales immediately. Puff Bar got one of those letters in July of 2020. How did Puff Bar respond to that? Puff Bar had voluntarily halted its sales a week before it got the letter from the FDA. It sort of went dormant. And for a while, you know, it was in compliance with this FDA warning letter. The FDA had ordered Puff Bar to take its products off the market, and Puff Bar was off the market. So for a while, it seemed like the FDA's Puff Bar problem was solved. But unbeknownst to the FDA, behind the scenes, Puff Bar was quietly coming up with a plan B. 
Plan B became public earlier this year, in February. There's not a lot in the e-cigarette industry that surprises me because it's been a crazy, crazy couple of years. But Puff Bar did something that really surprised me. They sent an email out to their customers saying, we're back. And they said, we've reformulated our nicotine liquid. It's no longer derived from tobacco. It's synthetic nicotine, so we're no longer a tobacco product. And why does that matter? The FDA regulates e-cigarettes through its Center for Tobacco Products. And the law that gives them that authority says that they have jurisdiction over tobacco products. Hmm. So if you can make nicotine without using tobacco, then poof, you're no longer regulated by the FDA. Poof. What was your first thought when you heard that this is what Puff Bar was going to do? I called up the FDA and I said, can they do that? How did that conversation go? Well, they actually didn't know. They had to figure it out. Their first answer to me was, well, possibly. It's unclear. There are different ways to meet the definition of a tobacco product, and we're going to have to look at it. And while the FDA was looking at it, Puff Bar exploded in popularity. According to one analyst, it had sales of $119 million a year as of this month. And it's now the top-selling disposable vape. Coming up, I talked to the co-CEOs of Puff Bar on how they engineered the company's comeback. This episode is brought to you by Volvo Cars. Distractions happen, but there are things that can help you stay focused, like the fully electric seven-seater Volvo EX90. It was made to help keep you and those around you on the road safe with LiDAR technology that can see what you sometimes can't and a two-camera driver understanding system designed to prevent distractions and help you stay focused. Visit volvocars.com US to learn more. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with GlobalX ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. As Puff Bar rose in popularity this year, Jennifer wanted to talk to the people behind it. But when she called the person she thought owned the company, he told her he'd sold it to a Chinese manufacturer. When she called the Chinese manufacturer, they said they'd sold it too, but they wouldn't say to whom. So she kept digging. She looked up trademark registrations, emailed the company website multiple times, and still nothing for months. She felt like she was at a dead end. I mean, this is a consumer-facing company. This is like a something you buy at the store. Usually, you can figure out who makes the thing that you buy at the store. You know, usually they aren't controlled by some mystery entity that, like, regulators can't even find. It was a mystery. So how did you figure it out? They finally called me. 
they turned out to be two 20-something entrepreneurs. Patrick Beltran. My name is Patrick. I'm a co-CEO here at Puff Bar. And Nick Manass. I'm Nick. I'm the co-CEO of Puff Bar. Patrick and Nick also got on a Zoom call with me to explain how they brought Puff Bar back and why. Before Puff Bar, Patrick and Nick ran an online vape store. And they told me they actually go back even further than that. We grew up together. Um, We've known each other since about sixth grade. Patrick and Nick said they were hired to work at Puff Bar last year. And when the FDA sent the company that letter, ordering Puff Bar off the market, they said Puff Bar's previous owners no longer wanted to run it. So Patrick and Nick took it over, though they haven't provided many details on how the deal went down. So the two of you guys together put down money and purchased Puff Bar. Something along those lines, we can't discuss like too many details in regards to like how the acquisition um, was handled. Uh Um, Just through NDAs and stuff like that. But yeah, something along those lines. We haven't been able to independently confirm their ownership, but Patrick and Nick are listed as officers on the company's business registration in California. What Nick and Patrick are clear on is what they saw in Puff Bar. I think it was really the consumer demand, the consumer love for this brand itself. Puff Bar was popular. The issue was how to overcome the FDA's order and get its products back on the market. We were looking for solutions on how to kind of remain this brand on the market, whether it's through, you know, the cannabis space or CBD space or any kind of other vertical. We had come across synthetic nicotine, which has been in the industry for a while now, but it was never really popularized. And then coming across this, we had found that it was actually a better product in terms of the vaping experience and and the the flavor that you get from it, um, you know, the vapor production, you know, less harshness. And it's it's well known that, you know, this product is not under the FDA jurisdiction, Um, you know, so kind of out of what we call forced innovation of finding this better product, it also allowed us to remain on the market. Since Puff Bar came back on the market earlier this year with its bevy of fruity flavors, its popularity has only grown, including among teens. This September, Jennifer says, Puff Bar grabbed the kind of attention that an e-cigarette company doesn't usually want by becoming the most popular brand with high school and middle school students. There's an annual survey conducted by the FDA and the CDC, and it looks at tobacco use among children and teens. And for the past several years, it showed that Juul was the most popular e-cigarette among kids. This year, it showed that Puff Bar had overtaken Juul as the most popular e-cigarette brand among middle and high school kids. I asked Patrick and Nick about their number one status. How does that make you feel? I mean, I think that statement, I think there's a couple things to break down from that. I think one... Yeah. And um, off, off the bat, I th- we think that's terrible, right? That's nothing a puff bar wants. That, that caused a lot of problems for us um, Yeah, I mean, when, when a statement like that kind of comes out. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody in this space, um, anybody that's trying to look for longevity in this space, um, you know, from a moral standpoint and just from a business standpoint, underage users is never good that are, if they're using any kind of nicotine products. But I think in relation to that study, I think what's what happened there as well. I mean, Pop Bar is by far, you know, probably one of the most popular disposable brands. And I and I believe that. But I think it's kind of came into like, you know, how jeweling was like was like a term, like everyone was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm jeweling. Mm-hmm. Where I think Puff Bar had became this like term that was used to describe a lot of the disposable products. So when people see Puff Bar, you know, they could be using some other brand, but they still call it a Puff Bar. 
it sort of become as popular as like Kleenex, you're saying, like a brand name that becomes... Yeah. Yes, exactly. Almost like a verb. It's, it's a verb to describe a type of product. But just like Jewel had discovered, becoming a verb comes with more scrutiny. And Jennifer says, that's what Puff Bar is experiencing now. There are a lot of people in government and public health circles who are now calling for it to come off the market. At the moment, they've figured out a way to evade their regulator, but there are a lot of people looking at how to close this synthetic nicotine loophole. That includes Congress. Last week, a House subcommittee announced a probe into Puff Bar. And this week, the Attorney General of North Carolina announced his own investigation into Puff Bar, calling out what he said are the company's kid-friendly flavors. If you guys are serious about keeping your product out of the hands of kids, why not put an end to the fruity flavors? Because our adult consumers love the flavors. I love the flavors. There's key studies showing that flavors are a critical aspect to get people to come off of cigarettes. Um, At the end of the day, that is puff school. So, you know, us removing flavors would be a disservice to thousands and millions of our consumers and customers that, you know, use our products specifically for the flavors. But it seems like regulators don't want flavored vapes to exist. Yeah, and I think um, I think there will be a chain effect if flavored vapes um, don't exist. Like if Puff tomorrow stopped selling uh, flavored vapes, flavored vapes would continue to come onto the market. Where the more you try to regulate a, uh, an industry and a product that is almost a necessity for people to stop smoking cigarettes, it's going to go black market. It's going to cause more problems. So it sounds like your viewpoint is that like there is demand for fruity flavored vapes and somebody's got to meet it and it might as well be you guys. Yeah, and, or, and we'll and we'll fight for our consumers and we'll we'll fight for what we believe in. Um, you know, and we will we'll never we'll never break the law or if there was a regulation that came out tomorrow saying no synthetic nicotine, no flavors on the market tomorrow, um, we, we we would comply. We would comply. Yeah. As of right now, that's not the case and we'll continue to fight. Um, to maintain our position in the market. But if there was a regulation that came out that said no synthetic vapes, would you then have another round of forced innovation where you tried to find something else that was similar? <laughs> potentially. I, I, I mean, I can't predict the future on that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's always tough to say, you know. Overall, teen vaping has been on the decline. In 2019, when Puff Bar launched, nearly 30% of high schoolers in the FDA's annual survey said they'd vaped in the past 30 days. This year, it's just 11%. Juul, the company that first popularized flavored vapes, says it's working to regain the public's trust. It says it wants to help adult cigarette smokers switch to vaping with its tobacco and menthol-flavored products. Still, the demand that Juul created for more exciting flavors hasn't gone away. Jewel opened a Pandora's box. Jewel made it cool to vape. Cool for adults, cool for kids. Jewel ushered in a whole new, like, era of our popular culture, of the way people socialize and hang out and consume nicotine, and you can't put it back in the box again. People want fruity-flavored e-cigarettes, and there are companies that are going to deliver those products. Puff Bar has a consumer base that people are clamoring to use their products and Puff Bar wants to give those people what they want.
That's all for today, Thursday, November 18th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.